Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is May the 20th, 2022. Uh, Spring is here, and uh, so is insanity. Of course, that's not a news bulletin that there's insanity. Um, So here we go. The um, Biden administration was expecting to lift Title 42 on Monday. And a federal judge just intervened and said, no, you don't. Of course, the journalists so-called are quick to point out that the judge in question was a Trump appointee. But the bigger issue is being ignored by everyone. Because all we're hearing about is the impact this is that the lifting of Title 42 would have on the border. And no one is considering the rest of the implications for the failures at border security. Uh, to borrow an expression that's used in Las Vegas, you know, what stays in Vegas, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. What happens on the border doesn't stay on the border. All these aliens who would have been entering, and in fact, we still have tons entering every day. And an interesting report today, apparently aliens from Nicaragua and other countries are not impacted by Title 42 because their countries won't take them back if they don't have passports. That's always been an issue. And I've I've written about it. I've discussed this issue with people on Capitol Hill, that we have countries that will refuse to take their own citizens back, especially when they are criminals, uh, sex offenders, and so forth. We should not be giving visas, in my judgment, to citizens of countries that will not take back their citizens. It's just that simple. There is no reason why a country should not accept their, their citizens when they violate our laws. The United States certainly takes back citizens of other, uh, our citizens when they go to other countries and violate the laws, and most countries do. I, in fact, I have to make a point. You know, I worked very closely with the Israeli National Police going back to when I uncovered a terror plot in Israel back in 1976. Not only would they accept their criminals, that we had here in the United States, but on occasion they would actually provide transportation to get them back to Israel. Where other countries wouldn't take their bad guys, Israel would always cooperate and in some cases spare America the expense of deporting them, airplane tickets and assigning agents and deportation offices and so forth. They would put them on an El Al jet, accompany them with police officers, and fly them at Israeli expense back home. And other countries similarly cooperate. I worked with New Scotland Yard. I've worked with many other governments, government of Japan. No problem. 
but there are countries around the world that will say, nope, you broke it, you bought it, we're not taking them, we don't know who they are. And so that's a problem. But getting back to this particular issue, uh, the idea that the United States is being inundated with aliens on a daily basis and Title 42 could have doubled or tripled the number should give everyone cause for pause and the discussion needs to be broadened. All we keep hearing, even on the conservative stations, because most of the left-leaning stations don't even want to talk about it, but they're talking about how this is a disaster for the border states. And in some stories, they will talk about how these aliens are being flown around the country. By the way, on, on nighttime flights, we're back to that nonsense, and there, these aliens are being put on buses in the middle of the night that have no markings. Fox News ran a story during the week how uh, airplanes were coming into Westchester County Airport in the middle of the night, buses with no markings waiting for them to disperse them all over the place. And when Fox News showed up, people identifying themselves as DHS on the bus called the local police and said, get the reporters out of here. Why? Why in the world should they get the reporters out of here? Reporting on a story that aliens are being sent to Westchester County Airport being put on unmarked buses. Buses are supposed to have some kind of markings. No markings. Covert buses. I guess they're undocumented buses, to coin a phrase. Think about that one. Uh, and by the way, and I'm going to interrupt myself to make a point that really needs to be made. They've made this point when they've been on other programs this week. The United States government classifies material when release or divulging of that material would have an impact, a negative impact on national security and that sort of thing. Nuclear secrets, secrets about how we gather intelligence, and that makes sense. Methods and sources are always supposed to be concealed so that we don't let the bad guys, our adversaries, know how we do business. <clears throat> the, the precise speed of, of fighter jets and, and bombers and what their you know range might be or bomb capacity that, that's that's classified why because the enemy should not have a clear idea as to what our capabilities are that's generally why you classify materials ongoing criminal investigations are supposed to be classified because you don't want to divulge all the the cards you're holding on, on a criminal investigation we have sealed indictments secrecy makes sense Secrecy, however, is a violation of this notion that we have a representative democracy, this democratic republic of ours, when the government of the United States basically violates the provisions of Title VIII, United States Code Section 1324, the so-called smuggling and harboring statute, that deems it to be a felony if you smuggle aliens into the United States, if you encourage, aid, abet these aliens to enter the country or remain here thereafter illegally, okay? Transporting illegal aliens is a felony. Obviously, the federal government has jurisdiction. As an agent, when I arrested illegal aliens, I transported them. But I've never in my life seen a situation where hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens are being dispersed across our vast nation in a covert operation to basically keep Americans in the dark, what we used to call in government, the mushroom treatment, keep them in the dark and feed them a lot of fertilizer. The very notion that our government is doing this 
should enrage everyone. And this isn't about being a Democrat or a Republican. No administration should be able to do this kind of thing. This is a, a, a scam. This is really about acting in a way that's harmful to America and Americans and covering it up. It's always the cover-up that gets you. This is outrageous beyond words. If the administration believes that what they're doing is moral, just, and so forth, then they should be telling the American people, this is, why we're, this is what we're doing, and this is why we are doing it. Explain it to the American people. Americans have an absolute right to know how their tax dollars are being spent to move aliens around the United States, don't you think? How their money is being spent inducing and encouraging people to come here in violation of law when we have already the most um, generous legal immigration system of any country on the planet. This is insanity. And this is so typical of how these people in this administration operate. I, I, I wind up thinking about Nancy Pelosi and Obamacare. You won't know what's in the bill until after they vote on it. Really? Imagine going into a car showroom. Lots of luck if you could find the car these days with the way inflation's going, by the way. And lots of luck trying to gas it up unless it's an electric car. But imagine going into a dealership to buy a car or a refrigerator or maybe a house. Pick some big buck item. And the salesperson says to you, yep, the car that I'm going to sell you is in the corner of the showroom. It's got that big tarp over it. So we don't know how many doors it has. We don't know how many seats. We don't know the color. Not sure what engine is in it. Uh, not even sure about the transmission or what kind of equipment it comes with. But that's the car, and we are willing to transport it to your driveway once you give us a check. And, by the way, we're not sure what the cost is, so leave out the dollar amount and just sign the check, and we'll fill in the amount. And when we deposit it and it clears, then we'll put that car on the back of a flatbed truck, <clears throat> and we will deliver it wherever you want it sent. Would you deal with that dealership? Of course not. You'd look at the guy and say, you out of your mind? You think I'm nuts? You think I'm a damn idiot? But wasn't that how Obamacare was pushed through by Nancy and company? And full disclosure, I'm a registered Democrat. This isn't about politics, folks. This transcends politics because we are talking about nothing less than national security, public safety, public health, the future of our republic, and as a consequence, the future of our children and their children. That's what we're talking about. Nothing much at stake here, right? We're going to move hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens across the United States, <clears throat> and we're going to get rid of any reporter who might dare report on this. Dictatorships operate that way. Police states operate that way. No wonder they wanted a Ministry of Truth in Washington, but after the uproar, they've decided to put it on hold, and they got rid of that woman who was an absolute buffoon who was supposed to act as big sis, I guess, big sister. Wow. Oh, wait a moment. I can't call her big sister because that's gender specific. God knows what she might want to be tomorrow. The absurdity being foisted on America and Americans is endless, and the list just keeps on growing, and the hits just keep on coming. Wow. Wow. So 
instead of the Biden administration saying, well, the judge said that we have to maintain Title 42, and we're still admitting record numbers of illegal aliens every month who shouldn't be here, <clears throat> they said, no, we're immediately appealing it. Apparently, they want to flood America with more aliens. Bring them on, everybody, the whole world. Come on down. I feel like we're on the prices Right, and, and, and there's the host. Come on down. Where's the benefit to America or Americans? And, and, you know, I have to tell you, if you look at individual illegal aliens, and I did as an agent because I made lots of arrests, you can feel really bad for some of the people you arrest. And I did. I didn't see them as the enemy. You know, when I hear people referring to desperate illegal aliens as invaders, <clears throat> although I do believe that what we're dealing with is an invasion, but most of the people are desperate, but they do not qualify for political asylum. Because how many times have you seen reporters stick a microphone in the face of somebody who could speak English or somebody would translate? Why are you coming to America? Why are you taking that dangerous trip? And what do they say to you? I can't find work. I'm a poor person. I have no opportunities in my home country. We hear it all the time. And everyone says, oh, those poor people. Well, I agree they're poor people. It's a terrible situation. But more than half the world's population lives below the poverty line. I did a little bit of research, <clears throat> and I believe, and, and these numbers may have changed a bit, but apparently roughly a billion, a billion people, right, one billion people have no electricity. I think that's poor. Would they want to come to America? You bet. Should we allow a billion people who have no electricity to come to America? How about people that have issues with food and clean water? Well, maybe they should come to America. And so these people are coming because they are poor, and they complain about crime. Crime? Listen, I live in New York. I should probably be able to get political asylum somewhere, right? If the issue is crime, people in Chicago could certainly apply for asylum. People in San Francisco could probably qualify for asylum. How about Philadelphia? the city of brotherly love where the blood is flowing. Uh, no, this, this isn't the way it works. You know, sometimes the road to hell can be paved with good intentions. If you talk about a handful of people, that's fine. If I said to you I need $10 to give to a guy standing on a street corner because he hasn't had a meal, and you would immediately reach into your wallet and say, sure, Mike, here's 10 bucks. Go help that guy out. That's a wonderful thing. In Yiddish, we call it a mitzvah, a good deed. And we all want to do good deeds, a random act of kindness. That's wonderful. But now imagine if after you gave me $10, um, I, I come back to you and I say, by the way, if you go to the park, there's about 1,000 people there, and they would also like to get $10 each. So how much money do you have on you? And you look at me and say, are you nuts? A thousand people, $10,000 just to give them breakfast? We can't do that. I can't do that. America is in financial crisis. Our deficit has never been higher. Our economy has never been in worse shape. I would argue that we're heading down the same rabbit hole that we saw when the stock market crashed. God forbid should that happen. <clears throat> but you look at the deficit, you look at inflation, I just gassed up my car. My car takes high tests. I just spent 50, over $50 for 10 gallons of gas. Now, I'm lucky. I'm retired. I don't do all that much driving. So a tank of gas will last me a week or two. 
what happens if you have to drive every day and you burn three or four gallons of gas per day just going to and from your job, which is essential because you've got to go to work to support yourself? Then what happens? So if we're going to invite in the world, let's understand that we could easily bankrupt America. There's a real problem here. And then you look at the environment, and I've written about it, and that's one of the reasons that I wrote an article in which I proposed that before any immigration bill is even considered, that an environmental impact study should be conducted. Because everyone who comes to America, whether they come permanently, whether they stay for a week, doesn't matter. Everyone right now inside America's borders needs more than a pillow to sleep on. Everyone here needs water. By the way, if you go online, do a little digging, you will see that the average person needs at least 100 gallons of water a day. Now, why is that important? Out west, there's a drought. A hundred gallons per person. If we admit a hundred thousand people in a month, each one of the hundred thousand needs a hundred gallons of water per day, and that does not include the water needed to irrigate the fields to grow the food that they need to eat. My goodness. Every person here needs electricity. Every person here goes to the bathroom so they have an impact on sewerage capacity. Everyone here will need transportation and infrastructure. And if they're here permanently and they have children, they will need to go to school. We need to have access to hospitals for them. How does that work? We're being told to cut back on environmental impact activities. And meanwhile, we're flooding America with millions of people whose identities, backgrounds, intentions, or potential affiliations to criminal or terrorist organizations are essentially unknown and unknowable. Unknowable. So all we're hearing about, the border states, the border states, the border states. Guess what? That airplane landed in Westchester County, New York State. Right? No one talks about that. They've probably been given court dates. God knows. Now imagine that. <clears throat> Some of these aliens will not be able to get before an immigration judge for three or four or five years. So now what's the impact on the immigration legal system? Normally you arrest an illegal alien, just like a cop arrests some guy for shoplifting. You bring him before a judge. Now what are you going to do? Because the courts are now basically overflowing and they, they're out of action. I mean, goodness gracious, they have been overwhelmed by Biden's actions, which seems to be the goal. Total anarchy and chaos in the immigration legal system. Just like they've done to the criminal justice system, they've done it to the immigration system. We've been hearing about catch and release for the longest time on the Mexican border. Border Patrol agents have testified frequently about catch and release. We catch them and we got to release them and they disappear. Guess what? As an immigration agent, we had the same exact problem here in New York. <clears throat> it was almost funny, but it wasn't. You would arrest somebody at a factory. The guy would run. Maybe you had a fist fight with him. You come into the office. You're banged up. Your clothing is ripped. The boss looks at you. What happened? The guy resisted arrest. Believe it or not, they should be prosecuted for resisting arrest because there's federal law as well as state law involved. But it never happens. It never happens. So you're banged up. You're bruised up. In fact, I remember a time when at least one of the guys in my squad was always in the emergency room or the hospital. 
kind of like a sports team, you know, who's on the disabled list. So you arrest this guy. He has a fist fight with you. He lies about his identity for three hours, and then he finally admits to who he is. I finally got the immigration service to do real-time fingerprinting. That came out of my very first hearing back in 97. We used to mail in the fingerprint cards. Immigration was always the agency that the government refused to take seriously. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. You can go to a two-sheriff town, arrest somebody, and electronically transmit fingerprints. Back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, that didn't happen. There were times I had to go to DEA because they had an arrangement with us where they would run a limited number of fingerprint cards to FBI headquarters. The FBI never wanted to cooperate with us. Oh, we don't have the ability. Yeah, okay, and if I believe that story, I guess I should believe in the tooth fairy. But DEA was always wonderful to work with. I had deaths at both the FBI and DEA uh, when I was part of the drug task force, when I was part of DEA intelligence. So they would run the fingerprints. And we had occasions where the prints came back where the guy was wanted for murder. Wow. So we would turn the people over that we arrested, and then we would lodge a detainer so that whenever the guy got out of jail, we would seek to deport them. Uh, in one case, we had these two guys who engaged police officers in a fist fight in the middle of the street, and the gun popped out of their waistbands. I ran the fingerprints. They were lying about, you know, they claimed to be U.S. citizens. turned out they were from Trinidad. Um, and they were wanted as part of a bank robbery team that had killed a number of people. The FBI was about to put them on their 10 most wanted list. But fortunately, because DEA cooperated and faxed the prints overnight in the morning, the FBI New York City Police Department Joint Bank Robbery Task Force scooped these two nitwits up, uh, and we were told that they were looking at life in jail because of all the murders they had committed in, in conjunction with violent bank robberies. Uh, I never followed up, but I, I took their words for it. They sent us very nice good guy letters. We felt good about the work we did. But if it hadn't been for DEA cooperating with us and allowing us to use their facilities, these guys never would have been uh, detained that way. Because it was interesting the cops arrested them, and the New York City police system, fingerprint system, did not show their involvement in a whole bunch of bank robberies. But somehow, sending the prints to Washington turned the trick. And that's the other thing to realize. Everyone thinks when you fingerprint someone, automatically we know everything about them. It doesn't work that way. So the Biden administration is flooding America with all of these people that want to sneak into the country, maybe because they're hungry and desperate. I feel bad for them, but that doesn't qualify for asylum. Or maybe because there's something more sinister to their backgrounds. Maybe they're fugitives from justice. I arrested an Israeli wanted for murder back in Israel. I arrested a, uh, a young man who was originally from the West Indies who had moved to England and got caught up in a store robbery in London, and the shopkeeper was killed. This kid was wanted for murder. I was the guy who was able to put the handcuffs on him, New Scotland Yard came to the United States looking for him. I physically handed this kid over to New Scotland Yard. I've arrested other people wanted for other crimes in Japan, in Canada, you name it. Because that's what criminals do. They commit a crime and they try to get out of Dodge. They go to another country trying to keep a low profile so they can escape the long arm of the law. Think of all the Nazi war criminal bastards who came to America so that they could avoid jail time. In fact, right now, uh, I, I believe this particular dirtbag is 101 years old, standing trial in Germany, 
for war crimes committed in concentration camps, 101. It's amazing. The good die young, and these bums seem to live forever. So there's a lot of good reasons why we should be careful about who we let into the United States, not to mention the 9-11 Commission that said, basically, border security is national security, and border security is a powerful tool in our counterterrorism tool chest. And what's Biden doing? Opening the floodgates. And what's remarkable is that people around the world are watching closely what we are doing. And I made this point when I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2013, and I was very much upset with Obama's policies. God, I could almost become nostalgic for Obama with what Biden is doing, although these are probably still (laughs) Mr. Obama's policies, if you get my drift. And I said back then that the policies of the Obama administration had essentially fired the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world. And for these folks, the finish line is the border of the United States. And that's the case. The aliens that are being encountered on the border are not just coming from Mexico or the, southern, or the so-called Northern Triangle. It's not just El Salvador. It's not just Guatemala. They're also talking about Venezuela and Argentina. And we know that in total, aliens from well over 100 or 150 countries have shown up on the border, including aliens that come from countries that sponsor terrorism. And that was why I wrote my most recent article for Front Page Magazine. Uh, If you haven't read it yet, I have a, a real important favor to ask. Please read my article at Front Page The title of my article is Title 42 and Chaos on the Border. I think you're going to like the subtitle. Mayorkas is not America's guardian. He's its innkeeper. Doesn't that kind of describe it? He thinks that he's running a hotel, not a law enforcement operation. And so what I'd like you to do is please read my article and pay attention to the links. That's the equivalent of footnotes. So if you wonder where did this guy Cutler come up with this stuff, If you click on the link, I always provide background information to substantiate whatever it is that I tell you. It's really important because so many people out there will spew nonsense. And people have a tendency to say, well, I saw it in print. I saw it on TV. I heard it on the radio. must be true. Sure thing. And if you believe that story, boys and girls. So I provide you with the link to the additional background information, whether it's an inspector general report, whether it's a press release by the Department of Justice, whether it's a newspaper article, whether it's a statement by a politician, I will always provide you with enough background information so that you understand that what I'm giving you is rock solid fact and truth. That's really important. You should expect that of anybody whose opinion uh, you want to take seriously. Okay? And the point to my article goes back to Title 42, and just because there's a temporary stay on it doesn't mean that it's, it's going to hold. And, and certainly the concerns that I have about illegal immigration are bad enough now that we really need to be paying attention. And I'm going to keep making this point until I turn purple. Yes, we get caught up in arrest numbers. It's like a box score at a ball. What was the score of the game? You know, sure thing. Well, 19 is a number that you should always keep in the back of your head. 19. Small number. Less than 20, not quite two dozen, 19. Why is 19 important? Well, it was 19 hijackers on 9-11 
who killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, and the deaths from the terror attacks of 9-11 are continuing to this day. People exposed to the toxins when the towers collapsed are sick and they are dying, and they are dying terribly. There's no good way to die, but dying a slow, painful death, I would argue, is certainly a horrible way to die. Many are first responders, but not all. And we still don't seem to get it as a country, ignoring the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. I want someone to explain to me why we do that. I want someone to really and truly say to me, hey, Mike, this is why we're going to do that. Um, And again, I'm just going to read this brief opening paragraph from the preface contained in the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. This is an official government report prepared by the federal agents and attorneys who work with the 9-11 Commission. Here's the quote. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism and arsenal. By the way, you got to wonder who was running those agencies if they couldn't figure that out, but that's for another day. And then it goes on and says, indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa, and by the way, what does that mean? We're not just looking at the Mexican border. We're looking at all the other ways you could come in through international airports, seaports, and so forth with a visa. The entire system of entry into the United States, including border security, is the issue here. Okay? It's myopic and very limiting to only look at the Mexican border, but that Mexican border is certainly a critical element of what should be a unified, coordinated, effective immigration system, you see? But it says this anyway. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. Now, this is really remarkable to me. I've testified before the 9-11 Commission, as you know, in many hearings. And this administration keeps issuing terrorism bulletin alerts. What to look for? I cannot remember a single time when anybody stated that um, there was a real problem with terrorists coming to the United States. The focus of this administration almost exclusively is the threat that they claim is posed by extremists, predominantly white extremists. Uh, I mean, think about the parents who went to the PTA meetings and were upset about their children being indoctrinated with critical race theory, and they were branded terrorists. In fact, apparently the FBI started investigating some of the parents, I guess, if they got a little bit too vociferous. Oh, my gosh, what is this guy thinking? He must be an absolutist, right? Isn't that the term they use with Musk about Twitter, an absolutist, that he believes in total freedom of speech? I thought that's what the First Amendment was with two exceptions. You don't yell fire in a crowd at the end when there's no fire. And if you slander somebody, there could be repercussions. You might wind up uh, getting sued. But other than that, we're supposed to have absolute freedom of speech. And now suddenly, just like declare yourself to be an American first kind of guy, and they're going to attack you for being God knows what, 
American first. What's, what's wrong with you? We had a president who thought America first. And I don't always agree with Donald Trump. Because many times I disagreed. I didn't like his ability to communicate or his lack of ability to communicate. We go on to some other issues. But his policies and his notion of a secure border and putting Americans first, I agree with him 100%. And we're told that that's a bad thing. Imagine if, instead of being the president, Trump was the manager of a baseball team, and he said, my team is going to win every game. What would they say? What's wrong with you? Don't you have compassion for the teams you're going to defeat? If I hire a coach, I want him to deliver win after win. Wouldn't you? If you go to a doctor and he says, well, I'll try to cure you, but if I don't, you know, once in a while disease has to win and people have to die. You going to go to that doctor? I mean, think about this. But if you say America first, Let's put American citizens first by its own government, like maybe in something like baby formula. Oh, we'll give it to the alien children on the border because the courts rule we have to feed those children. We don't want to be sued. We don't want to look bad. We now have American children, folks, in hospitals because of issues arising out of the inability of their parents to get them the formula they desperately need. And if you go online and look up malnutrition in infants, you will see that it doesn't take long for an infant who does not get protein and the proper diet to suffer irreparable damage, including diminished IQ, neurological problems, developmental problems, a host of issues that can ultimately lead to death, ultimately lead to death. But this administration doesn't care that much about death because we have over 100,000 people dying of drug overdoses. Fentanyl flows into our country like water through a sieve. Gangs are out there doing their thing. Shootings are up, and they blame the guns. I own a couple of guns. I've carried a firearm for almost 50 years since I became an agent. And you know what's remarkable? They now have a carry permit, so it's legal. Don't everyone get excited. Don't go get all worked up. None of my guns has ever jumped out of a safe or out of my holster and, and shot somebody. The guns don't do the shooting. People do. And if someone doesn't have a gun and they want to kill someone, they could stab them. They could set fire to them. They could throw a brick at their head. They can hit them with a baseball bat. They can run them down with their car. And by the way, if you look through arrest records, you will find murders committed in just that way. Yes. A gun is, I guess, a convenient way to, to, to do something terrible. But a gun is also a way to defend yourself. And that's why the Founding Fathers made the Second Amendment the Second Amendment. Goodness gracious. It, it's remarkable the foolishness that comes out of these so-called political leaders, and out of this administration in particular. So you've got an administration that's totally out of control, could not care less about the plight of the average American. Uh, it, it took how long for Biden to finally act and try to do something about this crisis with baby formula for American babies? Really and truly, really and truly, I want you to think about that. But we are providing formula to illegal alien kids coming across the border. If we don't have enough to give to both the children coming across the border and the American children, there's a solution to that, folks. 
We should not be having those children coming across the border. And the only reason they're here is because they have been encouraged by the policies of the Biden administration. And so this this brings up a very interesting point. Sometimes I wind up having disagreements with people, and I'm not a shrinking violet, as you've probably figured. And so they'll say to me, well, we could tell which administration has done a better job in enforcing the law based on how many arrests are being made by the Border Patrol or by immigration agents. No one even thinks about immigration agents. Interior enforcement is really the most vital element of immigration law enforcement. I will go so far as to say that the solution to border security is interior enforcement. Think about that. Any alien determined to enter the United States illegally just has to get arrested enough times until he or she finally succeeds. But if they came to America and they could not work and they could not get health care and they could not remain here, they would leave. When I was on Lou Dobbs tonight, when Lou was over at CNN, and this was maybe my, excuse me, my second appearance, I think, on his program, and I, I became a regular on Lou's show at CNN. This was shortly after 9-11. One day, is only Lou Dobbs good, he was talking about the impact of illegal aliens on the health care system in the border states, because these aliens are coming across the border looking for health care. And he said to me, Mike Cutler, what in the world is going on? And I remember coining an expression that was probably my most plagiarized statement I included in my latest article, The Front Page, as you will see when you read it. And I looked at Lou and I said, Lou, no one would break into the amusement park if they could not get on the ride. Here it's the American people who are paying for these folks to ride. So why in the world are you surprised? And he actually broke up laughing and we had a break for an unscheduled um, commercial. A couple of months later, I was testifying before the Select Committee on Homeland Security as they were putting DHS together, and I offered a corollary to that first statement. No one would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the ride, and no one stays at the amusement park at the end of the day when they turn off the lights and shut down the rides. Everyone heads for the exit. So the key to border security and national security is actually interior enforcement, isn't it? But we've never had interior enforcement because immigration agents don't only arrest illegal aliens, they arrest crooked employers and perish the thought crooked lawyers, right? So interior enforcement, barely any resources allocated and no one talks about it. That's the dirty little secret. Now, the other thing to consider and, and this goes back to something that an old-timer taught me as a new agent when I came on the job. This guy had been a New York City police officer uh, and then became an immigration agent, and he was kind of like everyone's Dutch uncle. And he told us, he said, look, when a cop is running after a bad guy, the bad guy's running for his life. The cop is just running for a paycheck. Now, what does that mean? The bad guy has every incentive to pay real clear attention and close attention. So <laughs> the bad guy's... You know, I, I knew I was going home to have dinner that night unless, God forbid, something terrible happened. The bad guy knew if I caught him, he was going to jail. So they ran fast. They would try to conceal their identities. That's why you fingerprint people, because bad guys use multiple identities. They get rid of identities and change identities the same way that chameleons change color to hide in plain sight. That's why the 9-11 Commission found that the 19 hijackers and the aggregates 
use more than 360 false names or variations of false names. Think about that. Think about that. Because this is how you conceal your movement, conceal your identities. Uh, and, and, and so that's the big issue. Immigration fraud was the number one issue in terms of the entry and embedding of terrorists and bad guys, gangbangers. Critical. And what do we do about it? We give driver's licenses to illegal aliens that can't prove who the hell they are. Think about the stupidity of that. So therein lies the problem. So you've got the Biden administration telling people flat out, if you lie on an application to citizenship, it's a felony. You go to jail for many years for that. It's a threat to national security. Well, Mr. Mayorkas, America's innkeeper, has said anyone who lies on an application to citizenship will face no consequences. Because now you're an American and we will stand behind you and protect you. How about protecting people who were born here? How about protecting people who entered the United States legally, went through the system, and did everything in accordance with law? The same laws that you despise, Mr. Mayorkas. Because when Mr. Mayorkas was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services under the Obama administration, he demanded that the people under his command approve virtually every application for every visa, even when the law said that these people should not get visas even when he was warned that some of the applications had been filed by individuals who had a potential nexus to Iranian terror groups, even when it turned out that Terry McAuliffe uh, had a company making electric cars and they approved visas, which certainly gave at least the appearance that he made decisions based on politics, not law. And when these issues were raised during confirmation hearings, as Biden was putting together his cabinet, there was some Republicans who stood up and said, look at this guy's background. And the Democrats said, that's terrific. We love him. He's in. And he's in. And I had written a piece on December 7th, 2020, where I had predicted that this guy would be a train wreck. I hate getting it right, you know. So you've got him saying what he's saying. You have him saying we're not going to arrest employers of illegal aliens as long as they don't mistreat the illegal aliens. By the way, NPR did a study, and this shows you what happens with this use of language. This is why Jimmy Carter, going back that far, insisted that we no longer use the term illegal alien, but call everyone from another country an immigrant. Get rid of the word alien, they're all immigrants. Why? Because NPR said that the Biden administration policies would end raids on immigrant workplaces. What does that sound like to you, folks? They're going to end the raids on immigrant workplace. Oh, my gosh, those immigration agents are rounding up immigrants. My father was an immigrant. My uncle was an immigrant, right? My mother was, in fact, an immigrant. Was that what they are talking about? No, because the reality is the Biden administration ended raids on employers who hired illegal aliens, not immigrants. But look at how changing that one word, changes the entire feeling that you have about that article. There was an interesting report that really should be considered where uh, an experiment was done where people watched a video of a car crash. And depending on the word that was used was how people thought they saw the crash because they, they were certain language used and they were asked, what did the crash look like? How violent was the crash? versus the collision. I, I think those were the two words they used. They may have been a third word. And it's funny, but when they heard the word crash, something like 70% of the people that took part in this study 
said that they believed that glass had broken and they described a much more severe impact. When they heard collision, almost no one thought they saw broken glass. By the way, there was no broken glass. So the word crash triggered a mental response where people thought that the crash was more violent than the collision, but it was the same video of the same accident. Think about that. Words have impact. So when NPR says that the Biden administration is ending raids on immigrant workplaces, I would agree with that. I would say, wow, why would you want to go after immigrants? Because if they're immigrants, you presume they're here legally and they're doing what they're supposed to do, building their future in America. That's why they came. But they're not talking about immigrants. They're talking about illegal aliens. Imagine if you refuse to refer to a drunk driver as a drunk driver and just call the motorist. Police locked up 100 motorists last night. My God, what were they, why would you arrest a motorist? Were they driving his car? Why? Then you come to find out that they were bombed out of their minds that they had done hit-and-run accidents. But instead of talking about the illegal activities they engaged in, just describe them as motorists. They locked up motorists. Oh, my God, I better not drive in New York. They're locking up motorists. What's wrong with these people? No, they're locking up drunk drivers, people without licenses, and people who've had accidents and then fled the scene. Well, that's what they're supposed to do. But if you only call such individuals motorists, Think of how that impacts your perception when you hear that motorists were arrested versus drunk drivers or, or fleeing felons, you see. That's how this language game is being played. And the open borders crowd is very shrewd. They're very good with this. And frankly, our side sucks. They have no idea what they're doing. When Pelosi was screaming about the border wall being immoral, Someone should have said the border wall isn't designed to keep anybody out. It's just to make sure that everyone goes through the vetting process. If you actually said that, then people would say, well, what the hell is Pelosi talking about? Is she out of her mind? But that's not what people hear. The border wall is a wall of hate. They want to keep out the Mexicans. No, the immigration laws make no distinction about race, religion, or ethnicity. Go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and guess what you're going to see? The grounds for excluding aliens. There's not a word about race or religion or ethnicity. If there was, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds. Forget about 30 years. Aliens who have severe mental illness or uh, severe um, contagious diseases or severe mental illness. Aliens who are criminals and terrorists, and human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, spies, drug traffickers, human traffickers. That's who we're supposed to keep out. You got a problem with that? Aliens who would take the jobs of Americans. You have a problem with that? Of course not. But again, this is about the immigrants. And if you dare suggest that anybody who's from a foreign country come here and gets arrested, well, then it sounds pretty draconian. But in reality, our laws are designed to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. And why does that never come into the conversation? Why are we keeping these people out? Are we nasty? I don't think so. And even if you look at people who aren't criminals or terrorists, 
we have a certain limit as to how many people we can bring to the United States. We normally admit a million lawful immigrants every year. They're immediately placed on the pathway to U.S. citizenship. Okay? If you've ever made a party or had a dinner, you come up with a list. Who do I want to invite? You know? My son's having his 18th birthday. My daughter's having her 21st birthday. My, my nephew is graduating from college. Let's have a dinner. And then you figure out how many people you can actually seat at the table or how many people will fit in the hall that you've hired. So you start out with a list of 40 names, and by the time reality sets in, the 40 becomes 10. Do you despise the 30 people you had to leave off the list? No. That's how many seats you had at the table. We've all been in that situation. I'd like to invite everybody, but I can't. I have a limited budget. I have a limited table. Whatever. So then you knock names off the list, not because you don't like them, but because you don't have the wherewithal to invite everybody you would actually like to invite. Immigration is in that situation. We already admit a million lawful immigrants every year. These are people that will be competing for jobs and seats in our universities and so forth. You get on an airplane, they're limited by how many seats there are. They don't have you get on an airplane and have three strangers sitting on your lap. Although the way the airlines run and the way the Chamber of Commerce does business, I'm sure they'd like to do that. Every once in a while, they show new seating plans for airplanes, and I kid you not, they show poles with little saddles on that it almost looks like a merry-go-round. And I think they do that to make people feel better that they're sitting on an airplane with their knees in their mouth because, hey, listen, it could be worse. You could be sitting on a saddle, you know, attached to a pole that's hanging from the ceiling of the airplane. Crazy stuff, but it's true. If you look for the articles, you'll find them. You know, these concocted ideas about how we could have higher density seating on the airplane. They can never cram enough sardines in the can, right? But that's what they're doing to America. And if you're worried about the environment and you look at congestion on the highways, guess what? That means more people burning more gas and going nowhere. So fuel economy goes down and pollution goes up. Doesn't that run contrary to the Green New Deal? The only green here, folks, is money. Money. A lot of people are making a lot of money while our country's national security, public safety, and public health are going out the window. But then we get to the other part of this article. They spoke about it last week, that there was an inspector general report that became the basis for a judicial watch report about how um, money was given to this one organization in a no-bid $500 million-plus contract to provide housing for the illegal aliens that were being shuttled around the country in this huge shell game by the Biden administration. No-bid contract for a company that never did this sort of work before. Why would they give them the contract? Well, if you read the article that I provided, because there's a direct quote, but I will leave this as a cliffhanger, teaser, if you will, there is a former employee of the Biden administration who worked at ICE and then became a member of their transition team who transitioned over to that private company, and shortly thereafter, that company benefited from more than $500 million and a no-competitive-bid contract. Wow. And then it turned out that something like $17 million was spent on rooms that were never used, but they got the money for the unused rooms. I'd like a deal like that. So now you look at expanding the number of aliens, 
you have to presume that there's going to be more such lucrative contracts. The more aliens who come, the more housing they need. And that's why you had Mayorkas screaming bitterly, Trump dismantled the system. We're stuck. This is all Trump's fault. No, the system that Trump didn't provide the Biden administration was hotel space. See, if he had provided hotel space, then they would have been happy because the Biden administration goal is not to deter the entry of illegal aliens, but to encourage it, expedite it, and apparently monetize it. Monetize it. That's what's happening. And I started talking about arrest statistics. So the argument that I had is that when you make more arrests, it would appear that you're doing a better job. So my argument is very simple. Let's take an extreme situation. Let's say a sector in the U.S. Border Patrol in one month had zero arrests, no apprehensions whatsoever. So my question, think about this, is that good news or bad news? There's a sector in the Border Patrol, zero arrests for an entire month, good news or bad news. The person that thinks that the number of arrests is a metric to show effective enforcement would say that's terrible. What are they doing? On the other hand, what's the purpose of law enforcement in an ideal world? In an ideal world, if you are effective in law enforcement, you deter all criminal activity. The bad guys look at the situation and they say, I can't break into that jewelry store. That place is is tougher to get into than Fort Knox, so they walk on by. The jewelry store has no break-ins. If they looked at the border and said that border is impregnable, and if I try to get in, they're going to arrest me, not give me a meal ticket, then they're going to say, you know what? I don't think I want to try to get through that sector because there's no way of getting past those guys, you see? So you wind up with zero arrests. On the other hand, you could also have zero arrests if all the agents in the Border Patrol are are, are in the movies and not doing their job. So the point is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. So the big issue that everyone's busy with the box scores, how many aliens are coming in, how many getaways are there? 19 terrorists on 9-11 did how much damage? We now have millions of people in the country who shouldn't be here. Probably only a small percentage are bad, but when you're talking about millions, How many bad guys do you need to have before you have a catastrophe? And why is no one focused on the fact that once these aliens are shuttled to the interior of the United States, this will now overwhelm the immigration courts for 10 years or more? This will be Biden's gift that will keep on giving, if you think this is a gift. That's what's being left out of the equation. That's what's being left out of the conversation. And I don't know why. Maybe the idea is to not have other people around the country be as concerned about it and say, oh, well, I don't live in Arizona, so who cares? Maybe, but I think we're smarter than that. And that's why I think it's so important that we sit down. This is barbecue season, folks. This is softball season. This is let's stop over at the neighbor's house season. It's not the middle of the winter where everyone runs into the house and they can't wait to close the door. We're outdoors. We're meeting with people. Let's have those conversations as Americans. Let's make certain that everyone is on the same page. The best page to be on are the pages in Front Page Magazine and U.S. Incorporated where I write articles. 
I'm not claiming I have all the answers or that I'm always getting it right. But unlike the radical left, I urge you to research and challenge what I write. If you can find I'm wrong, let me know, because I am careful to get my facts right. You know, I was warned a long time ago by some of the folks who mentored me when I first went, first went to Washington. They said, Mike, you can be right a thousand times. Get it wrong once, and they will never let you live it down. Don't ever exaggerate. If, for argument's sake, you found out that they squandered what you were told is $10 million on a computer system that didn't work, don't use that number, $10 million, unless you have the report. Because if it turns out it's $9.6 million, guess what? They will accuse you of exaggerating. So if you say that's several million, and it turns out it's $10 million, you're a hero. So I try to downplay it. I try to be factually as accurate as I can possibly be. But if you catch me in doing something or saying something wrong, let me know. I challenge you. I challenge you. Anybody who wants to convince people that they're right should welcome challenges, should encourage people to do their own homework. There was a, a discount clothing store in New York. Sadly, they closed. I love their clothing, Size Sims. And his commercials were, were great. He used to say an educated consumer is our best customer because if you really know what you're buying, you're going to be happy with what I'm selling you is what he said. Well, that's how I feel about what I'm telling you. An educated American is who I really want to, to uh, check my material out. Challenge it. Turn it upside down and inside out. PolitiFact one day crit critiqued me. I did an appearance on a radio show, and they're way to the left, and they gave me 100% truthfulness. I was very proud of that. I'm not taking political sides. I'm only on one side, the side of America and the side of my American neighbors. And if that makes me American first, I'll wear that label with pride. You know, when you get on an airplane, they tell you that if the oxygen masks come down, Put on yours first so that you don't become a casualty. You can't help anyone if you're unconscious. America needs the oxygen. Americans need the oxygen. We need to be loyal to our allies. They need to be loyal to us. But the world depends on a strong America to lead the charge because America has always been the leader of the free world. We're living in a dangerous time. You look at Russia, you look at China, you look at Iran, you look at North Korea. We have adversaries licking their chops. And we have one screwed up administration who's certainly not helping America to stay strong and safe. That's my simple goal. As an immigration agent, my goal was to keep the communities that we worked in as safe as possible, to protect the security of our nation. I've arrested terrorists, I've arrested drug dealers, and I did it out of my concerns, first of all, to fulfill my oath of office, but because we knew the work we did would help to save lives and protect people from becoming victims. Now, if anyone has a problem with that, I want to hear what that problem is. You know, I always like the point, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Uh, it's not just words, folks. I'm really counting on you to share my articles, share a link to this podcast, have those conversations with your neighbors. Celebrate the First Amendment. Memorial Day is coming up. We remember the fallen soldiers who made the ultimate sacrifice defending America. The best tribute that we could pay them is to celebrate those rights that they defended with their lives. 
Hope you have a wonderful weekend coming up. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Better Front Page Magazine, folks. I hope you like the article. See you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.